Welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast, the show dedicated to helping high six and seven figure entrepreneurs build amazing online companies and incredible lives. I'm your host and fellow e-commerce entrepreneur, Andrew Uderian. Hey guys, Andrew here and welcome to the e-commerce fuel podcast. Thanks so much for joining me on the show today. I'm excited to be with you and Today, I'm joined by Pat Haggerty, who's a, a good friend, someone I, I worked with for, for five plus years. And he is the newer, maybe not so new, it's been 18 months now, owner of my old online store, Right Channel Radios. I've, I've talked about that in the past, of course, and mentioned the sale, but never had, never did an episode really, or never really had a big debriefing with Pat. I thought it'd be kind of fun to, to sit down on the mic and chat with him about just the whole process, why he decided to buy the business, how that transpired, and perhaps maybe most interestingly, what it's been like transitioning from working, you know, for a business. He was he was my sales manager and operations manager to being the guy who runs the business and owns the I guess he he ran it largely for a while, but the guy who owns the business. Very different roles. And we talk about that transition, what he thought was, you know, about as expected, easier, harder. Just kind of fun to to sit down and talk to him with a little bit of perspective after the sale. So I hope you enjoy it. I found I had a lot of fun talking. I hope you uh, you find it interesting as well. But before we jump in, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors who helped make the show possible. First, Declavio, who makes email automation easy and powerful. And there's a ton of email service providers out there, but very few of them are really built from the ground up for e-commerce. And what makes Clavio different is it pulls in all of your e-commerce related data, your product catalog, what your customers have purchased, who they are, how many times they've purchased, so that you can build really targeted automated flows based on what they've bought and what they've done. It's email designed for e-commerce, which is which is really cool. It's who I use at Right Channel Radios, and it's going to be email in general, some of the best ROI you're ever going to see in marketing. And Clavio allows you to really dial that in and get the maximum from that channel. So if you're not using them, you can check them out and get started with a free trial at clavio.com. And secondly, I want to thank the team over at Liquid Web who offers managed hosting for WooCommerce. And if you're on Woo, this is the place where if you want a rock solid home for your store that you need to be looking into for two big reasons. One, their hosting is completely elastic, even though it's self-hosted. So you don't have to worry about spikes in traffic. Your store is going to stay online no matter who or where you get featured in. And secondly, they have an entire suite of tools to help you stress test your store and test changes internally before you roll them out publicly, including a staging site, including a whole battery of tests too that you can you know run against your store to make sure you're, you're set for prime time when you need to be. So if you're looking for the perfect home for your WooCommerce store, this is the place. Check them out at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into my discussion today with Mr. Haggerty from Right Channel Radio. Mr. Haggerty, good to have you back on the show. Cheers, sir. Thanks, buddy. Sitting here in the Bozeman office, a couple of beers, and excited to talk about business that you bought. Yeah, man. Yeah, you were on the show... It was like episode 10 or something, right? Yeah, a long time ago when I was talking about this violin business that I was going to do <laughs> that never never really flew, guys. <laughs> That's right. We all have lots of those. Oh, man. Um, it was a good one. So, I mean, obviously context really briefly, briefly for people who aren't familiar. We worked together for five plus years and push come to shove when I was ready to sell Right Channel Radios you expressed interest in buying it, ended up buying it. And here we are, what, a year and a half later and thought it'd be fun to do a sit down and talk about, yeah, how that went, uh, kind of the process. It's always fun talking about, you know, 
these kind of things after the fact. So thanks for being excited to, to dive in and, and uh, thanks for being willing to do it. Man, thanks for having me on. It's always fun to do this kind of stuff. So yeah. So we, I remember, you know, it was probably a year before I sold, we went and had lunch at Aleworks. Do you remember this? I do. Yeah. And very well. I sat down, told you I was going to sell the business. And, you know, a lot of times people don't tell their team that they're going to be selling the business, but it, I don't know if we, we had a great working rapport. I trusted you. It yeah. made sense. It didn't make sense not to. What, what were you, I mean, when I told you that, what, what was your reaction? What was going on in your mind? And hopefully you can be totally candid given the fact that we are where we are now, but was it worrisome? Was it strange? Was it immediately, I want to buy this? What, what went on in your mind? Were you worried about the change in ownership and not having a, a gig anymore? What, what was yeah. your thought process? Good question. You know, I'm not a person who gets really worried or stressed out too much, but I'll say this. I remember you telling me that. I, I remember not being surprised. You know, we had, you know, just a little before, probably a year, maybe even two years before I sold trollingmotors.net. And, you know, as we were redesigning Right Channel and, you know, as you and I had had conversations, I think I, I knew that it was coming down the pipeline at some time, you know, e-commerce feels blowing up. You have tons of members, you know, things are going well over there. You really wanted to get more involved or sounded in my mind, you wanted to get more involved with a proprietary branded product. And yeah, so I, I wasn't that surprised to hear about it. And, you know, because I'm weird, probably no, I wasn't that nervous about like it. me. I never get nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I do sometimes. I think that, you know, it's, that was a really good opportunity, actually. I mean, you know, when you told me to, to, that you were going to sell RCR, there was obviously no, like at that point, I had no idea that I'd end up purchasing it. I think I expressed interest to you or I told you, I was like, hey man, if I get the opportunity, I'd like to, you know, per, I'd like to look into the option of buying it. But, you know, at that point, you know, obviously we didn't have any price. We didn't have a multiple. It was more about, you know, hey, we're going to, we're going to sell the business. Therefore, we're going to kind of trim down expenses, you know, work on building a good solid multiple, you know, run this thing pretty lean. And so you can sell it, you know, <laughs> for, for a good chunk of change to some Pat, sucker. We are going to run this thing as dry as possible and offload yeah. it to some sucker is pretty much. <laughs> yeah, pretty much some sucker. Here I am. <laughs> but it's, it's curious, like it, it's funny. One of the reasons I sold it as you know very well, we've had a lot of candid discussions. Was kind of some worry about drop shipping and Amazon's pressures and competitive things, and and I think we can talk about this maybe a little bit later. But thinking potentially overreacted to those pressures and underestimated maybe the defensibility of the business. But what on your side, what what made you decide to buy it? Because I had like when we sat down, the candid discussion was like that was a big part of it. Was hey, I feel like e-commerce is going somewhere else, and I've tried to be upfront with you both even before I knew you were going to buy it, was that, does that, was that something that, that, that scared you from or worried you from the beginnings when you were thinking about buying it? Not really. And I think for a few different reasons. One, you know, obviously I was working within Right Channel Radio day to day. I was running all the operations. You know, you were doing multiple things. You're very, you know, obviously in charge of strategy, growing the business, maybe pursuing some initiatives. But largely I was running the business, you know, day to day, running operations. And I would say I really had my finger on the pulse of the business, maybe even more so than you did. Oh, definitely you know? more so than I, yeah. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, try not to be too, too assumptive. <laughs> anyway, I just, I just knew that we had, you know, based on, based on what our customers said about us and, you know, experiences I had with the business, the business was growing year over year. I understood where you're coming from, but I just didn't share the same concerns. Or at least I didn't think the concerns were quite as immediate as you thought they were. Yeah. So, so how did you, 
maybe walk us through, we had that conversation that was in June, mm-hmm. you know, in June, July, the summer. And then the winter really started. I started, cause I think the talk we had was I said, Hey Pat, I'm going to, I'm going to talk with a couple of our suppliers who, cause you, you had asked at that dinner, you know, is there a possibility of me buying the business? And, and I was kind of upfront with you is, well, I'm going to go to our two suppliers first. Cause just candidly, they, they probably can play a much higher multiple given some of the cost savings and things. And if you want to pay a crazy multiple, you can, but probably won't make sense. And if they don't, bite on the deal, then absolutely let's talk. So, so how did they didn't, neither of them bid on the deal. One of them mm-hmm. didn't bite when I thought they would. The other one, I decided I didn't want them to bite. And we just, for various reasons, I wasn't sure we could have got a deal done. Anyway, so how did we go from, where do we, how did you get to maybe this is something you're curious about to actually deciding like, Hey, definitively, I want to do this. Was that a pretty fast process or was it something that took a while talking to Christina and thinking through? Well, I never thought I'd actually get the opportunity to buy it. I was shocked when the supplier that you and I had both kind of, <laughs> I, I was just absolutely shocked that they didn't pick up the deal because it would have, in my mind, it was such a no brainer for them to buy it. I, I just, I, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they didn't, that they didn't too, pick yeah. it up. I mean, it worked um, out great, of course. Yeah, but. it worked out great for me. <laughs> Thanks guys. But, you know, and, and so was it a quick decision? So in the meantime, just, just to kind of give everybody some context, I think it's good, you know, when you have an idea that your job, you know, might be ending, your employment might be ending for you to go and, and did, do some self-reflection. I remember during that time, I actually sent an email out to some of my close friends, you were one of them, and just saying, hey, you guys, could you candidly, you know, being as vulnerable as I could, just say, hey, what do you guys think I'm really good at? Where do you think my strengths are? And where do you think I'd really be successful? I knew I, I knew a lot, a lot about, obviously, e-commerce, operations. I even think strategy and marketing to some extent. And so I kind of wanted to stay in that realm. And I started talking with some people around Bozeman, you know, about potentially being in, involved with like a, a SaaS app, you know, launching, yeah, some of that other stuff. Anyway, it was it was a good time to to kind of explore options. But then when the opportunity came up, I just, you know, Christine and I both, we just believed in the business. Our customers are having great experiences or profitable. We're, we just said, yeah, let's, let's see what it would take to buy right channel because we knew that was going to be a process in itself. Talk about some of the hesitations. Did you have, well, did you have any hesitations about buying the business coming in? Well, yeah. I mean, I did have some hesitations. I mean, I just had to figure out if it was a possibility first, you know, so I said, yes, I'm interested. Uh, we kind of, you know, you and I had talked and said, Hey, well, let's, let's define a deadline so I can, you know, pursue some potential financing options. I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have the cash laying around to just buy it outright. So I had to look into the financing. So I think that we were just going to go down that road and see if it was even a possibility and then address kind of some of the major questions or hesitations we had. How did you end up financing the deal? Well, <laughs> it was an arduous process. I'll tell you that much. You know, with a drop shipping business and an e, you know an e-commerce drop shipping business, right? You take that to your local bank and you say, "Hey, I want to buy this this business." They're going to say, "Okay, what what kind of collateral you know do you have to purchase this?" So, like, if you know you borrow this money and the business goes under, you know you can pay us back for this. And you're like, "I have fifteen hundred dollars worth of returned CB antennas in my apartment or in my house." Yep, yep. and they they <laughs> went for it. So there you go. <laughs> they're like, "Okay, well, we know those are worth a lot." So. That was an interesting process. And so we, I went through and had conversations with multiple banks. I learned a lot about, about financing. How we ultimately did it was we approached a bank. 
The bank said they were interested. You know, obviously we had all the numbers. Numbers looked good, but because there wasn't much collateral behind it, they said, well, how are you going to, what are you going to collateralize this loan with? And so we brought in, or I brought in a couple, a couple investors actually, who didn't actually bring any money to the table, but what they did is they guaranteed portions of the loan. Each of them guaranteed a portion of the loan. Along with Christine and I came up with a 20% down payment for the business. We had cash to do that. You know, the rest of the loan was guaranteed by these other two parties in exchange for some equity in the business. What's the experience been like having equity investors? Is it for some people it terrifies them? In some in some cases it works out well. Has that your thoughts on that? You know, 18 months later, has it has it been pretty smooth having other equity people in the business? Yeah, it has been it has been pretty smooth. You know, when you have an equity investor or equity investors, you know, you come up with an operational agreement. I'd say the operational agreement is overly fair for myself to make decisions within the business. These guys, my equity investors, just kind of want to stay in the background. But one of them, I could just really see us doing some bigger projects down the road. Thus far, they've just been, you know, over the moon about right channel. And it's funny, they've been really happy with how I've performed in the, you know, with the business and how we've grown the business. And I just foresee this being a great relationship down the road, allowing us to, you know, obviously work together in right channel now, but potentially do something bigger in the future. So 18 months later, deal of course is closed. You've been at the helm for 18 months. How's things going with the business? What, I mean, we can look at top line revenue. How are things looking versus when you took over? Really good. You know, we've been really happy with the amount of growth. It hasn't been anything explosive, but we were up, you know, 13% year over year from the date of the sale to, you know, a year later. And yeah, we've just been really happy with that, especially since in the midst of that, I think there were just a lot of things that took longer and probably more effort than I initially anticipated. Like what kind of stuff? Oh yeah. What kind of stuff? Primarily just, I think the amount of effort that I'd have to put in the business outside of operations or just how hard it was for me to separate from doing daily operational duties to, you know, doing marketing initiatives, accounting, just thinking strategically about growth and the things that we can do to better serve our customers. Yeah. The things that would really kind of kind of grow, grow right channel. It's just as easy. You know, we are, we're busy enough with daily operations. It's just easy to get kind of sucked into only doing that and let that eat up all your time. Yeah. How do you deal with it? I mean, that was one of the big reasons why originally like I brought you on into the business is because it's, it's, it's really, we've got an interesting thread in the forums I'll link up to in the private forums about single operator, single owner businesses. They can be great in the sense you can run really leanly. You don't have HR issues. You can do a lot with a single person, smart business ownership and, and, and running it and technology. But the flip side is like you, at the moment, if you go on vacation, apart from your, your virtual assistant, like there's, there's not someone else you can fall back on. So how are you, how are you dealing with that now as a single, as a, you know, a solo founder? Cause that's tough. You know, one thing to note is I do have an all-star VA. And so, you know, if I decide to take a vacation or if I, if I am sick, I can just turn the phones off, right. And not answer the phone calls and get back to customers who might have, you know, really high tier uh, customer support request, you know, or installation question. But beyond that, my VA was really able to handle, you know, uh, operations as far as, you know, kind of the basic operations, you know, routing orders, sending tracking numbers, uh, responding to sort of like lower tier customer requests. But recently, this is this is actually something I'm really excited about. Just in the last month and a half, our business has changed quite a bit where I brought on what I consider to be 
kind of an outside, almost like an outside sales team. They're not doing outside sales, but essentially what I've done is contracted out this team who I've trained a handful of people specifically with, you know, knowledge of our products and processes and, and just kind of our, our business and business attitude to, you know, receive phone calls, you know, take care of customers, you know, place orders online, work within Shopify, and then also work in conjunction with our VA for, you know, maybe even higher tier requests and actually, you know, start taking care of that operational side of my business. And it's really freed me up a ton to just kind of focus on those higher level kind of strategic initiatives, things that I think that could really help us experience some of that, you know, higher level or not higher level growth, but more explosive growth. Because the hard thing when you're doing it solo is you can't, you can't batch anything. Like it's, for me, getting stuff done a huge element of being productive is having blocks of time to commit to something. And when you're trying to man the phones, you can't batch those at all. You know, it's, they come in every half hour and it just kills your flow and your productivity. And I love, like, I think it's brilliant the way that you're setting things up in terms of, because phones for, when we were running it, to, like, that was probably the hardest thing not to try to crack in terms of solution, especially for the, for our, the business where the phone sales are important, but the lifetime value isn't enormous. The profit per order isn't enormous. So you can't justify having someone, you know, just, just solely dedicated to phones because it was harder to pencil out. Anyway, all that to be said, I, I think the system you have where you have a tier one on the phone support and then you schedule kind of VIP consulting, technical consulting calls with the owner it allows you to batch them, but it also seems pretty cool potentially from a customer perspective. If I get a schedule call with the owner of the business, that that seems high touch to me. Yeah. And and I think that's that's exactly what it is. You know, at the end of the day, when a customer calls in to your business, you know, they just want to make sure that they're going to be helped, whether whether they're having an issue with a current order, whether they want to place a new order. What they want is to be able to call somebody and, you know, have the you know, have whatever their issue is taken care of. Then that's something that this team is just doing an excellent job at. I think all of our customers feel like, you know, regardless if the person who answers the phone knows the answer to their question, they're going to find the solution for that person, whether that is, you know, immediately, but, you know, immediate right then and there, or whether it's, you know, if it's a real, if the customer has a real technical question, like Andrew, like you had just said, you know, they'll schedule a call with me, you know, later in the afternoon, I'm happy to call people back, but it does enable me to kind of segment my day. So I do calls in the afternoon, but in the mornings, man, I can just really crank on things that I just think are, are, you know, have higher, have better opportunity. What would surprise me about the business today, walking in 18 months later, where let's say I, you know, stepped into your shoes for, for a week and ran the business, what would surprise me and what would be different where I'd say, Whoa, this is not what I remember or this has changed. Yeah. I think we're a lot higher touch with our customers, quite honestly, and just provide a better, you know, kind of a better customer support atmosphere. When I was working for you, you know, and I was also, I was kind of halftime doing RCR, halftime doing violin pros. I was, you know, on the phones from 8.30 a.m. until 12.30 p.m., right? So just like this four hour stretch. Now we cover, you know, from 7 a.m. until 6 p.m. Mount Standard Time. So we have, you know, significantly more phone coverage. But the thing I think that would, would, that you would think was really cool you know, we have this Slack channel between our phone service team and, you know, our VA. And it's just cool for me to see all these multiple people going back and forth about, you know, helping, helping customers. And you can just kind of tell that they're, they're engaged. They're trying to make sure the customers are, are taking care of issues are getting resolved. And I can just sit back and kind of watch this Slack channel blow up all day. And it's just really, that'd probably be the one thing that you'd think is coolest. That's awesome. That's really cool. You give yourself a big raise from that cheapskate who is 
<laughs> I, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. You know, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I did. I gave, gave myself, I gave myself a pretty decent raise. I also, you know, got a few more mouths to feed and, and growing the family. So, you know, a little bit, I mean, I don't pay myself in a, you know, a, a huge amount or anything like that, but yeah, a little bit, nice little bump. Do you think that we touched on this a little bit earlier, but maybe flushed it out a touch. Do you think my fears about the business being at risk given the increased difficulty of drop shipping in an Amazon world were overblown? Like, do you, a year later, a year and a half later, do you feel like uh, Amazon's been eating into a lot of what you, you've been doing? Or do you feel like you've been pretty insulated, largely in part due to the fact that A, you provide phenomenal, very, you know, kind of niched service, and B, that there's a lot of complexity in the products you sell? Yeah, I think I think the latter is is true. Amazon, obviously, you know, I use Amazon or a lot of things from them. They do carry some of our products, but there are some things that they don't because of the complex nature of, you know, radios and installation. I mean, you can buy from Amazon, but if you're going to buy from Amazon and be successful, you have to be much more kind of much more educated or technically minded. You know, the the thing I think with any business going forward is is you have to be able to provide some kind of value to your customer. And this is probably one of the reasons why I was so keen on buying right channel radios is I do, I feel like we bring a lot of value to the table. You know, when you look, I guess, just at, at the resources that we've developed, the customer loyalty that we've developed, you can just see that, you know, we are kind of right now the undisputed expert in the CB industry when it comes to, you know, CB, you know, choosing the right products for your vehicle, things like that. And there's just there's just some complexity, you know, that, that at this point, you know, Amazon hasn't been able to duplicate. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think they'll ever be able to bring the level of customer service that we do. And that's worth something to a lot of customers, especially as people get more and more adapt to buying online. I think one thing, Andrew, another reason I was confident in buying right channel radios is I still feel like we're at the beginning of the e-commerce thing. Amazon isn't going to own everything. I mean, they're going to own a, own a large share, but they're not going to own e-commerce period. You know, there's going to be plenty, plenty of niche shops just like ours who are going to take a chunk out of the market and be able to be focused on their particular products and bringing value to an end customer. Yeah. Yeah. You had a, a pretty aggressive plan when you closed to, to really attack that debt, you know, on, on the business. That was something that was important to yeah. you. How's that been going? Has it been harder, easier about as on schedule for you? No, it's been on schedule. We've been doing great paying down debt and we've really taken a chunk out of our loan already. And yeah, we've just been really pleased, man. I'll tell you what, probably the, the toughest thing for me is sometimes I just like to have sort of a larger cash cushion. And you know, that I, I'd mentioned earlier, you know, the one investor <laughs> that we have, they're like, hey man, identify the amount that you need in the bank and just just keep that, you know, and and every month, you know, put some, put some down on the loan. And so I've started to do that. There was a time there where I had <laughs> a cash cushion that was literally like four or five X what I needed to have. And anyway, it was kind of silly just to be sitting on that much, not putting it down. We talked about kind of the struggles and challenges of a solo owner. Have you, are you thinking about bringing on someone else, someone else to, to, to kind of be an operational role? Is that something that you're considering? Not at this point. I mean, what I would like to do long-term is really run our business primarily with contractors. You know, like I said, this phone sales team right now is working out great. Have our VA. And as long as I can get folks, you know, as long as I can get the same quality that I have right now, I'm really happy to just do that. Also, I just think that, you know, when you bring somebody on as an employee, I think as a, 
as an owner, I, I suppose I just would feel a lot of responsibility for making sure that I'm properly managing that, managing that person that they're taking care of. That's just not something I really want to bite off right now, quite honestly. Yeah, fair enough. Any questions for me before we dive into the uh, kind of the closing lightning round here? Oh man, do I have any questions for you? Yeah, do you regret selling? Sometimes. I think I did, and I've mentioned this uh, in the past a few times, but yeah, I, not, not, it's not like an overarching regret. I don't wake up every morning and just, you know, ah, release a primal whale. But yeah, I think I, I think I did. I think you were, I think your perspective on the business in terms of the defensibility was much more on point than mine. I think I was a little intimidated by how quickly I'd seen Amazon eat things and how, how difficult a lot of resellers of existing products were struggling, you know, and how difficult it was for them to maintain the business without fully considering the reputation we built, uh, without considering the complexity of, of the products and the customer service and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's not a lifelong regret, but if I went back and did it again, I would probably give it a very long second consideration. Well, I remember even, you know, there was a time in the process where I thought my financing had totally fallen through. And I remember you were like, all right, <laughs> you know, you're like, okay, well maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going to hold on to this for a little bit longer. Yeah. It, yeah. That, how long did you have the uh, Shopify app on your phone for right channel oh, after that, we that sold? That was terrible. I can't remember talking about this, but yeah, that was horrible. I, two, three months. And I felt, <laughs> I felt Whenever I saw Rachel have a great day, it felt terrible. But then I felt whenever I saw it have a, a horrible day, I felt equally as bad of being like, oh, I'm so glad I sold it because you bought it, right? Like, so, so at the end of the day, it, it, ultimately, I was just like, this is, a, this is unhealthy in any way I, I, I try to look at. It. I just deleted it. I had to delete it. But yeah, it was probably three months. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I remember talking about that. <laughs> I was happy to let you have it on there. I think you still have admin privileges as well. No, I think I tried to log in for something the other, other day, you know, to transfer a large payment to myself for, oh, really? for, for PayPal. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think you had cut onto my embezzling scheme. So oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. We'll, we'll do a, let's do a lightning round here before we, we wrap up. If you had to identify the one thing you're trying to optimize your life for right now, what, what would that be? Relational health, I'd say, is the one thing we're optimizing our life for. You know, Christina and I are just really focused on kind of building our relational network here in Bozeman and, and just within our friends, family, you know, within our child, with our children. That's really the thing that's most important to us right now. Who's someone you strongly disagree with? Three people, actually not people, organizations, Region One Forest Service in Bozeman, Montana, the Greater Yellowstone Coalition, and the Sierra Club, because all three in our area are actively working to close off access to public lands in Montana, primarily those if you're if you're mountain biking or you know trying to do any kind of recreation that isn't, that isn't hiking or well, that really isn't hiking. I mean, even horseback riding, those guys just kind of want to shut, have been shutting everything down. They have tons of out of state support too. That's a majority of their financing is from out of state, not the forest service, but the other two, which very disconcerting for Montanans. How much money in your bank is enough? What would be your number? That's a good question. One I've, I've thought about as I've listened to other podcasts, quite honestly, man, there isn't a number for us. And I know maybe this is a cop-out, but at the end of the day, the things that are most important to us are, you know, relationships, our physical, well, what I would consider relational and physical capital. And the reason I say that, and while it's nice to have money in the bank, those are the things that really take time and effort to grow and maintain. And I think at the end of the day, you know, when I look back 
you know, those are the things. Also, I don't think, I don't think money provides as much security as people think it does. What's the worst investment you made, you've made in the last 10 years? I don't invest in the market much, but when I do, I invest in things like AIG and then lose all my money. <laughs> and I did that. <laughs> I don't invest in the market often, but when I do, but when I, I ride do, it all I, I make the really <laughs> great that I pretty much, I remember I was following this investment guru and it was around like, this is so stupid, but I remember thinking like, they had this awesome World Cup ad at the time and I'm like, AIG, I didn't really know anything about their business, but this guru guy was recommending them and I'm like, yeah, man, we'll just put this money in here, let it grow for a while. And then it was literally gone within like a year and a half. <laughs> Doesn't get much better than that. Oh and by better, I mean worse. What's the best investment apart from your core business that you've made in the last 10 years? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm hoping that you have a really good Craigslist story here because you tend to be the oh, king yeah, of, of the Craigslist the, flipping. The king Craigslist. Man, a vehicle I, for $500 I really and, used to be, I really used to be, and I just haven't been doing it in a long time. The best investment I've made. Oh man. I, I gotta say, and this is going back to the thing that we're that we're you know focusing on right now. The best investment I've made is just really taking extra time to put in with the you know the people around us, our community, building relationships. Man, that's the thing that that really pays off long term. And you know, at the end of the day, those are the things that that me and my family care about the most. So in you know, taking intentional time with especially within the last couple of years to, you know, connect, be vulnerable with friends and, and people within our community. That's been the best investment. What, what was the first CD you ever owned? Dazed and Confused, Volume 2. And I bought it because I love the song off Happy Gilmore so much. The uh, Tuesday's Gone with the Wind. But I've got to tell you, the thing I'm more proud of is my first cassette tape was Beastie Boys License to Ill. A nice, classic. Man, if, and if you want to catch me on a happy day, it's me riding my bike, riding my mountain bike, <laughs> listening to Beastie Boys. And that's one you'll find me at my near happiest doing nice. that nice and finally you have you have your fifth child on the way is it possible to have too many children is what i wanted to ask you that's, that's a good question yeah i think it is and i'm hoping five isn't it you're hoping, uh, i'm hoping five isn't the surpri threshold surprise number five i should I might oh add. my goodness yep yep we are we at this moment of the podcast are 13 weeks or my wife's 13 weeks pregnant with our fifth. And yeah, it was a bit of a shocker. Yeah, nice, man. Well, dude, Pat, it's been an awesome ride. Thank you for buying the business. Appreciate it. I'm I, uh, excited to see it's doing well. I hope it does uh, continues to do well for the, you know, the long-term future. And good to have you. Good to have you in my life. And thanks for, thanks for coming on and talking about it. Absolutely, Andrew. Feel the same way. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week's episode. But if you enjoyed what you heard, check us out at ecommercefuel.com where you'll find the private vetted community for online store owners. And what makes us different from other online communities or forums is that we heavily vet everyone who joins to make sure that they have meaningful experience to contribute to the broader conversation. Everyone who, who we accept has to be doing at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales on their store. And our average member does seven figures plus in sales via their business. And so if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to get you know connected with a group of experienced store owners online, check us out at ecommercefuel.com where you can learn more about membership as well as apply. And I have to, again, thank our sponsors who help make this show possible. Clavio, who makes email segmentation easy and powerful. The cool thing about Clavio is they pull in your entire catalog, customer, and sales history to help you build out incredibly powerful automated segments that make you money on autopilot. If you're not using them, check them out and try them for free at Clavio.com. And finally, Liquid Web. If you're on WooCommerce, if you're thinking about getting on WooCommerce, Liquid Web is the absolute best hosting platform for three reasons. One, 
it's built from the ground up for WooCommerce and optimized by some of the best industry professionals in the WooCommerce or WordPress space. They really know the stuff. And it's highly elastic and scalable, as well as comes with a whole suite of tools and performance tests to optimize your store. You can check them out and learn more about their hosted WooCommerce offering at ecommercefuel.com forward slash liquid web. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate you tuning in and looking forward to talking to you again. Thanks, Fred. Want to connect with and learn from other proven e-commerce entrepreneurs? Join us in the e-commerce fuel private community. It's our tight knit vetted group for store owners with at least a quarter million dollars in annual sales. You can learn more and apply for membership at ecommercefuel.com. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again next time. Thank you.